Hey, it's Carrie. I am interrupting here to tell you about a show I wrote and star in playing off-Broadway this December. It's called Six Chick Flicks, or a legally blonde pretty woman dirty danced on the beaches while writing a notebook on the Titanic. It is six of your favorite chick flicks coming together in one night of hilarious parody. Now Magazine calls it pop culture parody at its best. It plays December 12th to the 21st at the Soho Playhouse. For tickets, go to sixchickflicks.com. I hope to see you there. Okay, now back to the episode. A Lifetime Original Podcast. This episode covers topics that include murder and violence. Listener discretion is advised. On June 6, 2011, two maintenance workers are called to an ice cream parlor in the Meidling district of Vienna, Austria, to deal with a broken water pipe. But when they arrive to shut it off, the cellar door is locked with a chain, and the owner of the ice cream parlor isn't around to unlock it, so they have no choice. They clamp bolt cutters around the chain and snap them off. The cellar is a small brick room, barely wide enough for two people to stand. Half of it is blocked by a freezer and a bunch of buckets filled with cement. There's a sour smell in the air. It's made even worse by all the air fresheners spread around the cellar. The plumbers open the freezer to find the source of the smell. But the bottom of the freezer is covered in cement too. Something freaky is going on. These plumbers want to get out of there as soon as possible, so they get to work on the pipes. But as soon as they do, they knock over one of the buckets, spilling its contents onto the floor. But this one is not filled with cement. It's the source of the stench, a severed human leg. And they come to a shocking realization. The other buckets aren't just cement. They're all filled with body parts. This isn't a cellar, it's a tomb. And once police get involved, all eyes turn to the woman running the ice cream parlor upstairs. Estebeliz Carranza. I'm Quinlan Posner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And this is Crime of a Lifetime. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. For a lot of little girls and boys out there, love and marriage are just baked into our concept of what it is to grow up. You're supposed to find a soulmate have a family, maybe get a dog, a white picket fence, then you're set. But for some, that dream is a little bit more than just a hope. It's their entire life story, right? Little Estebeliz Carranza is one of those girls, and there's just nothing in the world she wants more than to find a loving husband and make some babies to call her own. She wants that dream to be her reality. 
Esty, as her friends and family call her, has always put this dream above everything else in her life. A little bit about her, she was born in Mexico, but at five, she and her family moved to Spain where she was raised. She's incredibly smart, according to her, and she knows multiple languages, according to her. She graduated from university with honors, again, according to her, Um, but she's pretty, you know? I mean, there seems like there's a lot of pros, you know, for this woman, but let's be honest, she's got a fair amount of cons. I would not set her up with my friends, but that's just me. There is a well of deep rage inside her. It's a monster, if you will. Because for as long as she can remember, she's fantasized about killing her dad. And not like the regular way that teenagers are like, ugh, I'm going to kill my dad, in sort of real vibes way. Dark and scary. And in high school and college, this expands and she starts to imagine herself killing her boyfriends. And as much as she tries to suppress these violent impulses that come into her mind, they just keep bubbling back up. It is a soda stream of violence. Wait a minute. I just have to take a break here. You would still set this person up with your friends? Well, it depends. Is it a friend that's wronged me? And I will say, just like a hot tip from someone who's in therapy, if you keep trying to suppress the feelings and not resolve them from the foundation of them, they're just going to come back and they're going to be harder than ever, right? But listen, she's incredibly still laser focused on having her own family. That is her dream. And once she becomes an adult, she has very little motivation to use her intelligence to get a decent job. She's just hyper fixated on finding love and having kids. And the longer she waits for this to happen, the more she feels those thoughts creeping back in. Yeah, they get worse. They get so bad that she finally does fall in love and she gets engaged to this man she meets in college. But she has to break it off because she can't stop thinking about murdering him. So she's fresh off a broken engagement because she can't stop thinking about killing the guy. And she's like, you know what will actually help? A change of scenery. You know, I because doesn't that help anyone when they're having murderous thoughts? So her family has some connections to some folks in Europe and they help her get a job. It's not an ideal job for her education. But In 2000, when she's 22 years old, she moves from Spain to Germany and becomes an au pair. And if you don't know what an au pair is, it's just a fancy name for a live-in nanny. So forget about me being um, an idiot for wanting to set her up with someone. Now she's going to look after someone's kids? (laughs) Well, in her defense, she hasn't been thinking about murdering children. She really loves children. What she's thinking about murdering is the potential husband-boyfriend she needs to have children big Hmm. question mark for me. But here we are. Well, in case you were wondering, we talked about Esty being smart. And here's where we see that come into play. According to her, she becomes fluent in German in just three months, which is insanely fast. Or as Esty might now say, so schnell. Do you know what that means, Carrie? (laughs) I didn't do Duolingo. So no, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It means very fast. Wow, I could have used context clues on that one, honestly. Germany is also where she meets a man named Holger Holes, a refrigerator salesman 14 years older than her, and right away, they hit it off. 
And at first, he's incredibly romantic. He compliments her. He's very loving towards her. Um, and he's not just looking for sex, this guy. He's looking for a wife. Marriage material. He is 14 years older than her, um, which might feel refreshing for Esty. You know, this is something that she wants to do in order to get her end goal, which is have kids. But a little bit about Holger Holtz is he's not a sex before marriage kind of guy. Well, his personal religious beliefs are really getting in the way of that. So after two or three weeks of dating, he's like, let's do this thing. Let's get married so we can expedite this hookup and I can stay good with God, please the Lord, please myself, please What could you. possibly go wrong? What no, it's a triple win. It's an absolute stroke of genius in order to stop other kinds of stroking. <laughs> Oops. You know, he's good. He's... He's really on to something there. Do you think the Vatican knows of this guy? And listen, Esty isn't stupid, hence the multiple languages she knows. Um, she knows that this isn't how love and marriage is supposed to go. But Holger is telling her that he wants to be with her, he wants to have kids with her, and with her intense drive to have children, she agrees. Sure, what the hell, let's get married after only two weeks of knowing one another. She would later describe this moment as a tragedy for her, and she says, quote, He put the ring on my finger. I was crying inside. I knew I made a mistake. Esty girl, I gotta say, been there. And Esty and I were both right, so here we are. Once Holger and Esty had sex, everything changed. We are talking about Opposites Day has arrived. Instead of telling her how smart and beautiful she is, Esty says Holger starts telling her that she's ugly and that she needs to exercise more and change her appearance for him. So Esty, who is 22 years old, and she has this goal of wanting to have children, she tries to appease him. She claims that she dyes her hair. She starts wearing sexier clothing in order to help satisfy Holger and maybe seduce him. But none of it makes a difference. Holger won't even touch her. And to Esty, this means that there's no way she's going to get pregnant. Holger isn't going to give her the child she so desperately wants. And guess what? Those homicidal fantasies start to creep back in. Remember those ragey murder thoughts? Yeah, so I would venture a guess that Esty is having a much harder time suppressing them in this new situation. She's claiming Holger is mean, abusive, unwilling to give her any ground in the marriage that he sort of bullied her into to begin with. But she's still trying to make the marriage work. She's probably rationalizing in her mind, okay, this marriage was a mistake, but maybe, just maybe, I can still get a kid out of this. And once Holger and I have a kid, that will fix everything. We all know that if your marriage is on the rocks, having a kid solves all of your problems. It's a tried and tested solution. Just a hot tip from us here. <laughs> oh, totally. I tried it. I'm testing it right now. I mean, look at me. I had two and no undue pressure whatsoever. I feel uh, great. It's like a miracle. It's like a it's a balm, you know, and, and, I, and I also just have to say, like, what a healthy, beautiful world she wants to bring a kid into. You know, great thinking, Esty. You know, you can really cancel any and all future therapy for your child just right now. It's a great idea. 
that is when Holger finally gives her a little bit of hope. He tells her he has a grand idea. They should move to Vienna, Austria, and they should run an ice cream parlor. He's in the fridge business. It's not such a leap. If the shoe fits, freeze it. Just imagine it. The smell of freshly baked waffle cones. Oh my God, I love a waffle cone. I like a pretzel cone. I like a little salty with a sweet ice cream. It's a weird move, but I like it. Yeah, suit yourself. He tells her that if they move to Vienna, he and Esty can finally start their family. It's just like the dangling carrot that Esty needs, and she agrees. She's going to move to Vienna if it means that they can have kids. Yeah, so now there's this new potential of kids and the damn near promise of waffle cones in 2005. So they move to Austria. They open Schleckeria Ice Cream Parlor. I'm not really sure about that name. I, I have notes. They move into an apartment in the same building, and Holger's attitude changes. He's being nice, and he's having sex with her. So for a while... Things seem to be really getting better. And after a few months, I'm sorry to report that honeymoon <gasps> phase comes to a close. Wow. I am so surprised. Because as much as Holger claims that he wants to open and run an ice cream shop, guess who's really pulling all the weight? Esty. He ignores the business for the most part and leaves Esty to take care of everything. And she speaks like 10 languages, so an ice cream shop owner is like a perfect fit for her skill set. Well, she's at least (laughs) keeping Holger's dream alive, uh, although he really hasn't delivered on hers. Where are those kids, Holger? Why is she not pregnant yet? It's probably really challenging to own an ice cream shop and operate an ice cream shop when all you want is kids because you know who the clientele mostly consists of? Kids. Kids. Yeah, that's got to be tough. It becomes clear that Holger does not want to have kids with Esty. He doesn't even like her, let alone respect her. And he goes back to calling her ugly and stupid. And he completely ignores her to focus on his other hobbies, which includes searching the internet, playing with guns. This sounds like a pretty cool guy. Worst of all to Esty, he stops having sex with her. And I'm no doctor, but I am fairly certain that demolishes their chances of having children. And this marriage devolves into just contention. Esty starts to hate Holger. She resents him for manipulating her and for betraying her trust. She fantasizes about killing him with his own guns. And the fantasies grow more and more frequent. She's a ticking time bomb. And any moment, she's going to blow. Wow, so far, really cheery story, huh? Well, ice cream is involved, so I'm sure people are happy. Ice cream, you scream, man. (laughs) We should probably let you guys know that this is the story, as Esty tells it. We don't know if gun loving, ice cream making, Holger would dispute this version. So insert a large, like a huge grain of salt here and for the rest of the story. She also mentions that he gets really into Hare Krishna at the time when they move to Vienna, which is all about like removing pleasures, including sex, which also means no children. So there's like a lot of angles that he stops having sex with her. But I think what's most 
frustrating about this story is that this woman has her eyes set on one goal and it drives her to make just really bad choices thus far in this story, right? It's like she marries this man after knowing him two or three weeks and there's some red flags. Like if someone's like, let's get married in two or three weeks, that's a big red flag. Then she moves to another country. She isolates herself further. Let it be a lesson to everybody. Get a hobby. Make friends. Hell, make a podcast. It can truly be a great distraction when you're not dating. Just ask me. (laughs) (laughs) And this podcast, weirdly about doing true crime, it's prevented me from having my own murderous thoughts. Or relationships. Or relationship. I think it's good to know. I don't have murderous thoughts, but I also don't have a relationship. And are those two related? Quinn, you can answer this. You're in a relationship, you're married, and you have two kids. Do you have murderous thoughts? No comment. (laughs) Yes, because anything you say will be used against you in the court of law in this podcast. I can't wait till they're like, Exhibit A, episode 125. So after years of a loveless marriage with Holger Holtz, Esty realizes he's really not the one and she really needs to change her situation. So one day she's working at her ice cream parlor and a refrigerator salesman by the name of Manfred Hinterberger walks through her doors and he starts to chat her up. He's 20 years older than her, but Esty can tell this guy's really interested in her And she's here for it, you know? She loves Vienna sausage, especially if it's going to get her closer to those kids. So she and Manfred start having an affair. Obviously, she's happy to be having sex, but she doesn't want to just get knocked up and be on her way. She actually needs a man to stick around and raise this family with her. So she and Manfred start talking about getting married, having a family... But in order for any of that to happen, she has to get a divorce from Holger. So that's exactly what she does. She files for divorce and demands that Holger moves out of their apartment. He clearly doesn't care about her or the ice cream parlor, so he should just leave them both behind and let Esty move on with her life. Yeah, it doesn't go over that easily. Wouldn't that be nice if it was like, okay, great, I'm out. No problem. No, um, it never is that easy. And Esty does not get to have her ice cream and eat it, too. Instead, the court proceedings for this divorce are taking a really long time, way longer than she expected. And Holger is refusing to just move out of the apartment. So they're fighting all the time, and it's a nightmare. She's trapped in this horrible, unloving relationship, even after she's tried to end it. And and I don't know if Holger's being intentionally cruel, but it's not helping anyone involved, including him. Meanwhile, Esty's new boyfriend, Manfred, is growing more and more impatient with the situation, too. He's been waiting for this divorce to be settled for months. And you know what? He's 20 years her senior. He can't wait anymore. So he tells Esty that he wants to end it, and he runs off with another woman. What the hell, Manfred? So now, not only is Esty losing her husband and her boyfriend— Her dreams of being a mother is just crumbling before her eyes. And as she sees it, it's all Holger's fault. On April 27th, 2008, Esty's getting ready for a date with a new man when Holger says something that, according to her, completely sets her off. He tells her she's never going to find a man to have a family with. 
And when he says it, he is not even looking at her. He's just sitting at his computer like he always does with his back to her, saying it over his shoulder. It is the perfect image of laziness and cruelty. Speaking of laziness, while he says this to her, he has left four loaded guns on the table behind him, which just like a pro tip, if you say something really horrible to your ex-wife, maybe don't have guns just laying lying around. about. Just a, just a helpful hint, just a tip from me to you, but it's too late. He's not going to hear this because in her own words, Esty describes this moment. She says, there were four of his guns on the table. I took one of them and walked up behind his back. I pointed the gun at his head and pulled it once, twice, three times. It was just like the scenario I had enacted over and over in my head, except this time, it was real. It's a very real moment. And afterwards, Holger collapses. She puts the gun to his temple and shoots him a fourth time. She'd later recall, I never thought I would be able to go through with it. It was 3 p.m. There were children outside. It was nice weather. Someone must have heard. I thought the police would come. Then my mobile rang. It was the ice cream parlor saying they needed me to come over. Esty then leaves Holger's body in the apartment. And that evening... She even goes on a date with another man and spends the night with him. Folks, we're going to call that avoidance. The next day, Esty's probably hoping that that was all just a dream, that she made it up in her head. It wasn't. It really wasn't. That body is still there. And she finds that to be the case when she returns to the apartment. Holger's just right where she left him, slumped over that computer and covered in blood. To be clear, I do not think she's feeling a ton of remorse at this point, and frankly, she's got work to do. She needs to get rid of this body. But how? She's in an apartment, and she's aware she can't just, like, walk out of it with the corpse weekend at Bernie's style. People are probably going to say something. So she weighs her options, and she thinks the best option is to turn this corpse into ashes. Oh, I thought you were going to say ice cream. I was so anxious. (laughs) This is not a Sweeney Todd situation, folks. This is not, she's not turning the corpses into ice cream. Oh my God, that makes me sick to think about. No, 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 no. Although this idea isn't any better because without thinking, she douses Holger with schnapps or just alcohol and then she tries to light him on fire in the middle of the apartment. Clearly, she's not thinking much because we all can see this is an absolutely terrible idea. As soon as he catches fire, the apartment starts to fill with smoke and it smells of burning flesh and it wafts everywhere. Fire alarms start to go off and she quickly puts him out, afraid of what's going to happen. Yeah, this moment is wild to me. Just that no forethought whatsoever ignite this body and then be like, whoa, I feel like I'm going to burn down my apartment and this actually smells terrible. (laughs) Also, though, it does feel very on brand for me. I mean, her whole life has been one quick decision after another. Well, burning flesh is 
noticeable, and her neighbors call the fire brigade. When they arrive, Esty has to real quick styles come up with a good excuse to keep them out. And so she's trying to tell them, oh, that all that smoke, that smell, it's just fish. I burnt a fish. There is no need to come inside. Uh, there's This is a lot of smoke. I wonder what size fish she's meant to have been cooking. <laughs> Strangely, the firefighters aren't totally convinced by this wild tale, but in a bizarre twist, they do eventually back down and leave. It's been said that Esty, she's got a way with men. After that setback, Esty has to reassess the situation, and she realizes that there's really only one way of getting Holger out of the building unnoticed, and that is in pieces. So she goes to her local hardware store and she buys a chainsaw. The salesperson looks at her really strangely when she tells him that she wants to operate it herself. And he warns her that with one little slip, the blood could flow. And she thought to herself, wow, he doesn't really know how true that is. Ugh. Nope. She gets back to her apartment and revs up that chainsaw and begins the slow and gruesome process of dismembering Holger. She later described the moment of cutting him up by saying, I can say to anyone who has seen a horror film that the reality of cutting up a body with a chainsaw is far worse. She puts what's left of Holger into empty ice cream buckets She covers them with lids, and she slowly brings them downstairs to go into the cellar. In fact, while she's on the street level, she actually has some passing strangers help her carry them down to the cellar. Gosh, I just, her feminine wiles are just, frankly, impressive. She also apologizes to her neighbors for all of the noise. She tells them that she's just trying out a new ice cream machine. Wow, she really keeps getting away with this. I mean, no one is the wiser. I guess a bunch of people already knew that they were getting divorced, so when Holger's not around, no one's really batting an eye at that. And I think that there's, like, this nice young woman that speaks in maybe somewhat broken German that runs this cute ice cream parlor. You do not think she's going to be a murderer. But the truth is, she's just getting started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Carrie, I know that you are um, a self-professed um, Disney adult and musical theater junkie. How dare you? I went to school for musical theater. Okay, I did. I don't want to trigger you by bringing up Sweeney Todd again, but I did want to say I was really relieved that we weren't looking at uh, Esty serving up Hazelnut Holger to the neighborhood. And I wondered, I wondered if all this, like after... After all this has been done, does she feel better? All that murdery stuff she's been going through her whole life, feeling these impulses. Does anything happen? Is there any peace once you've actually gone ahead and done it? I don't know. You calling me a Disney adult gave me murderous feelings for you. So let's see (laughs) if me killing you would scratch that itch. I don't know. It feels a little bit like... She does these things. She makes these big moves. She makes these rash rash decisions. She doesn't get punished right away. It feels like she has very selective memory. Like, she just moves along with her life. I don't think she's in touch with her emotions to even know this. To me, she feels like someone who is devoid of regret and culpability and emotions. Like, I don't think she, I don't think, I think there's something so unhealthy here. Sounds like she would make a great mom. Right, let's bring a kid into the world. It feels it feels good that she hasn't gotten pregnant at this point. After a few months, those buckets of Holger's remains that Esty stowed in her deep freezer and her cellar are starting to smell. Her whole cellar reeks of death. So she decides to fill the ice cream buckets with cement, just hoping it will lock in all the bad smells and stop it from reeking to high heaven. No pun intended. But while she's doing this laborious process of filling up these body parts with cement, she gets to the bottom of her freezer and she sees that it's the head and the torso and she decides, you know what? I actually can't deal with this. It's too heavy. I don't want to deal. So she just coats the bottom of her freezer with cement But despite the desperate attempt, she's still getting whiffs of that horrible smell. I imagine like a Lady Macbeth thing with like the blood on her hands. It's just like the smell is permeating in her face. And so she gets air fresheners and covers her whole cellar with them. Oh, that is so disgusting. Like picturing the putrid smell mixing with vanilla or something is just (laughs) even worse. In the year after the murder, she would sometimes go down to the basement to talk to Holger's body. Such a morbid image. You know, they didn't get along that well in life. I'm not really sure why now he becomes her sort of uh, deceased therapist. Yeah. Yeah. She feels bad she had to resort to murder, but she does uh, think to herself, you know, as far as a final resting place, this really isn't so bad. I think Holger might even like it. Probably they talk about it in these... uh, very strange, one-sided conversations. Not my first choice of, of an ice cream parlor seller. I don't know. Maybe being alive would probably be a better fit for him. Anyway, she's gone away with it at this point. Nobody's looking for him. Meanwhile, outside of the murder cellar, Esty is still on the hunt for her future husband. And as luck would have it, Manfred Hinterberger walks right back into her life at just the right time. He apologizes for leaving her and tells her that he's ready to have a family now. He's finally ready to commit to her. Hmm. I don't know why I'm skeptical, but Esty Hmm. isn't, and it's music to her ears. 
you know, that's just what she hoped for. So they start dating again. By some accounts, they date for two years. But as it turns out, Manfred is a lot more like Holger than Esty would have liked. So it's two years after the murder of Holger Holtz, and Esty is still not pregnant. And Manfred isn't any closer to proposing to her, which again is literally the only thing she wants. And Manfred also has issues with Esty's appearance. He tries to get her to change the way she looks, just like Holger did, which obviously didn't turn out well for him because she doesn't like that. What is with all these guys weighing in on how their wife looks? I, I don't know. In my experience, I put something on and I try to get Matt to say anything about it. And he like does like a very boring shrug or at best he'll go, looks comfortable. Well, I think it's important to know that this information is coming from Esty after she's caught. Spoiler alert. So she also could be making this stuff up to make them appear worse than they are. Well, we don't know if Esty takes their advice on these appearance changes. What we do know is that one day Esty discovers that Manfred has an online dating profile and he is texting other women. Or actually, he's sexting them, really, because she even finds some porny photos from ladies in his messages. She's pretty mad. She's pretty sure he's having an affair. So on November 21st, 2010, she goes to confront him. But he refuses to talk to her about it. He just rolls over in bed and goes to sleep. And then he starts to snore. Ooh. Ooh. And she loses it. Esty is starting to realize that this guy doesn't care about her at all. He's not going to propose. He's not going to give her kids. So her anger takes over once again, and she reaches under her side of the mattress where she's stashed Holger's old handgun. She loads it, and she shoots Manfred four times in the back of the head. This is the sequel, folks. I feel and like this SD is deja vu. has another body to deal with. It's time to pull that chainsaw out again, but this time she is a little more prepared. It's not her first rodeo. She went ahead and took a cement mixing class, Carrie, after you complained about her not having any hobbies. So she can better cover up these body parts. That knowledge is really coming in handy. She's not going to make the same mistake twice. She covers the whole apartment this time in plastic sheeting a la Dexter Morgan, and she starts cutting Manfred up. One sort of wonders if she's even squeamish at this point. And once again, she puts his pieces into empty ice cream buckets along with a hefty pour of cement and loads them onto a trolley and she puts them down in the cellar herself. It appears she has a better system now. She doesn't need to ask for strangers' help in moving these buckets. It is a long and difficult process. And you know what? I gotta say, after all that hard work that she put in, she decides she needs a little pampering, a little TLC, so she decides to get a manicure. You know, chainsaws are murder on the fingernails. Treat yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself. This she is says. inappropriate, but I am super curious what color she chose. Surely not red. I mean, I just can imagine the um, nail polish colors. You know how they're kind of like cutesy and fun, like mm -hmm. like a cute mm -hmm. little like light pink that is ice cream murder, oh, uh, a little red. We're going to call it Chainsaw Massacre. 
Um, or like a cute gray, like a dark gray that's called cement cover up. Oh, I like that. What, what about um, I murdered two men and then dismembered their bodies toe? Ooh, I love that color from Essie. <laughs> um, as part of her cover up, four days later, she goes to the police to report Manfred as a missing person. She just can't seem to find her darn boyfriend anywhere. And Manfred's family and friends, they're getting worried. They're asking Esty, where did you last see him? But she does play her part well. And a month after the murder, Manfred's friend, this guy Roland, ends up coming up to her apartment looking for answers. And Esty is so distraught that he ends up comforting her. Now, Roland isn't anything like Holger or Manfred. No, no, no. He's not a macho man. He's kind. He's gentle. And he's in touch with his emotions. And so she starts to feel this attraction with Roland. And she feels this new hope. It's like he might be the one that she's been looking for all along. And maybe killing Manfred was her ticket to happiness in Roland. As long as he does not find those buckets hidden in her cellar. I think that it's really interesting, actually, that both the way that she kills them with the four shots is identical, the disposal's identical, but more interesting than that to me is that the trigger seems to be somewhat identical, too, which is somebody, you know, you're going to somebody and telling them something, and they are turning their back literally and physically Mm -hmm. and ignoring you. And that seems to be the thing that's like, oh, you're going to ignore me? Well, I'm a very real person, and I'll prove that right now. Yeah, I just can't believe she never got rid of the murder weapon. It's just been something that she's had this whole time. You know, but here's what I do know, is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. (laughs) And I think she's taken that really to heart. She's like, well, it's been two years since I murdered Holger Holtz, so now I'm just going to do the exact same thing to Manfred. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it went fine last time. Yeah, it went fine last time. Let's do the exact same thing. But yeah, I do think the trigger is interesting that it is the same as her being ignored. But again, this is because the only person that can tell us what happened is her. Well, with two X's behind her, or I guess maybe underneath her. Under her. Yeah. Under her. (laughs) She's moved on. And now Roland is getting pretty serious, you know? They're starting to really date and see each other, and she's like, yes, I deserve this. After everything she's done, after all these bad relationships and homicidal fantasies and acting on homicidal fantasies and chainsawing and cementing and lying, finally, Esty is happy. You know what? It turns out that murder is the key to happiness. (laughs) Wow. You know, if she hadn't killed Manfred, she would never have met Roland. He's the one she's been looking for. He treats her right. He's the closest thing to her dream that she's ever had. You know what? It's just a really great lesson that we're all learning here at Crime of a Lifetime. Really great. No no issue with it whatsoever. Well, let's just say he better play his cards right or he's going to end up Rocky Roland. <laughs> Six months go by. <laughs> So far, so good. Keep going, Roland. He's given her what she's wanted, what Holger and Manfred never could. Because guess what? In June of 2011, Esty finds out she's pregnant. It's so hard to cheer for her. I actually can't cheer for her because she's a murderer, okay? She's a murderer. Well, at least this pregnancy is keeping Roland safe. 
Um, Estee's yeah. excited. I mean, she's also terrified because if somehow Roland discovers these body parts, I would imagine this happy life would soon vanish. Well, hate to break it to you. It's about to. Because it would only be a few days later that a water pipe begins to leak in her building and city maintenance workers break into her cellar to deal with the problem and her worst nightmare would come true. On June 6th, 2011, Esty is on her way to work at the ice cream parlor. But when she arrives, she sees police all over and she realizes it's happened. The jig is up. Manfred and Holger aren't her little secret anymore. Immediately, she hails a taxi and pays top dollar to take her to Italy. Now, Quinn, I know you're not a geography expert, but this is a 300-mile journey through the Alps. It's a weird request. I can't imagine what this driver is thinking, but she seems frantic and worried, and she's offering the money right there, so the driver agrees. I don't know if the tip was included or not, but I should hope that she gave him a decent tip. On the way to Italy, the taxi driver starts to hear reports on his radio of a woman who is on the run for murder. I picture him listening and just like <laughs> stealing these like furtive glances in the rearview mirror at the back seat. And then like she looks at him and he looks away. He obviously suspects the woman in his car acting bizarrely is the killer. It would definitely explain how weird this ride request is. But he doesn't say anything. He's not trying to be next. He drops her off in Udine, Italy, just south of the border. And when he returns to Vienna and he feels safe again, that's when he reports it to the police. And if it's not clear at this point in the story, let me reiterate. Esty, she's got away with men. It doesn't take her long to befriend an artist in town and to convince him to let her stay with him. But as news of this grisly murder scene spreads further, the artist also starts to grow suspicious. And she might feel that, man. It's it's hard to not, I think. She's on edge. She is following the coverage religiously. And that's not going unnoticed. So her obsession with this case, the artist is clocking and is like, and she's from Vienna? Hmm. It does not take long for this guy to put the pieces of this twisted puzzle together and he calls the police. And within days, they descend on the apartment Esty is hiding in, and they haul her in in handcuffs. Esty is arrested and sent back to Vienna to face trial for her crimes. She's two months pregnant. Estebeliz Carranza is charged with double homicide for the murders of Holger Holtz and Manfred Hinterberger. In a psychological evaluation she has before the trial, they determine Esty has a severe personality disorder and that it is very likely she would kill again. She can't control it. But even with these revelations, Roland marries Esty while she's awaiting trial. And she even gives birth to his son while she's in prison. But she doesn't get much time with him because he's immediately taken away to live with her parents in Spain. Now, Esty hopes that she'll eventually get transferred to a prison closer to her son, but she doesn't harbor any fantasies or illusions, I should say, about getting out. There's no world where she's going to get to join PTA and carpool to soccer, so she's just focused on maximizing visitation. In November of 2012, Esty pleads guilty to both counts of murder. 
and she is sentenced to life. Her case received a ton of media attention. Newspapers all over the world call her the ice cream killer and the ice lady. And knowing that she will never be able to support her son and that people are interested in her case, she decides to write a biography with the help of a journalist and all of the proceeds will go towards her son. She publishes the book, My Two Lives, The True Story of the Ice Lady in 2014. And in her book, she refers to Holger and Manfred as monsters who turned her into a beast. But she admits that she does wish that she just left them instead of killing them. She says that now that she has a son of her own, she understands that she robbed two mothers of their sons and she wishes she could change what happened. But she's not asking for a pardon or for understanding. It's unclear whether any of the proceeds from her book went to her son, but they certainly did not go to her. And to just put a button on this long and very disturbing story, in 2018, Esty's husband, Roland, files for divorce. So at least he's able to get out of there alive, or maybe move on from this in some way. Roland, look out. Change your name. Change your Luke. Get out of there. (laughs) He did. He's like, I got it. He, I mean, I, he probably felt safer that she was behind bars, or maybe he just like didn't believe that she did it. Yeah, I'm really surprised that it got as far as it did with the marriage and everything after he found out she'd done this and kept it from him. To his friend. And I wonder if her son, like what their future holds, like their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly that was what she wanted most in the whole wide world, and she sort of got it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't imagine that their relationship will be a very simple one to navigate. I got to tell you that my takeaway from this story is normalized therapy because mm. I think it was really interesting that she talks about knowing from this really young age that she has these dark fantasies and dark thoughts. It's a long time in that regard before she acts out on any of them. So there was plenty of time, one would imagine, for her to talk to somebody about having these thoughts and it makes me question the inevitability of Mm -hmm. all the violence that is to come and if there was someone she could have talked to in a therapy setting that would have helped her keep these thoughts at bay or keep them exactly that just thoughts right something that I do think about in this case is just how Every professional that interviewed her had said, this person will absolutely do it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That like, it almost was inevitable from the beginning. And to your point, it's like, maybe it didn't have to be inevitable. Maybe if there was proper intervention, therapy. But I don't know, because if you don't have um, a conscience, can you build one? It's a really great question. (laughs) I don't yeah. know. It feels like she doesn't have a conscience, even in even in her, um, you know, when she admitted guilt in her trial and she talked about how she really only understood what she did was wrong because she's become a mother of a son and she took two sons away from their mothers, feels also so far removed and so selfish that she couldn't even imagine how 
bad the thing that she did was until it affected her or she had sort of a touchstone to compare it to. Right. Way to make it about you, Esty. Way to make it about you. Like, you killed these two guys. Like, haven't you done enough? I also do want to say that I think is so interesting. She was put in jail in 2012, right? Mm -hmm. In 2017, she was actually moved to an all-male prison because she was considered too dangerous to be in the all-women's prison, all-women's prison. That's and, bizarre. She's only killing yeah. men. It feels like they yeah. put her in the population more at risk. And I just have to say with the timing, she gets transferred in 2017. And in 2018, that's when Roland divorces her. And some people theorize that she wanted to move to this all-male prison from get-go, from Jump Street, because that's where she knows she's going to be useful. She does have a way around men. I just think it's interesting that it's a year after that move that Roland divorces her. We don't know anything else. This is only speculation. But I do find the timing really suspicious. I think she's looking for her next target. I do. For murder or for uh, fatherhood? Yes. Or both? (laughs) Yes. Yes is the answer. Catch more gripping stories pulled straight from the headlines with all new original series and movies on Lifetime. And stream on the Lifetime app or on demand. Check out mylifetime.com to find out what's airing because it might just be the case we talk about next. We used many sources in our research for today's episode. Among the most helpful were the following. An article from the BBC entitled Ice Cream Killer Carranza, Publishing Memoirs by Bethany Bell and an article from Spiky TV entitled What Has Happened to Estebelize Esti Carranza by Stephen Gibbs. If you'd like to learn more about this story, check them out. Crime of a Lifetime is produced by Tanner Robbins. Our associate producers are Hazel May and us. Quinlan Posner. And Carrie Epima. Our sound designer and editor is Arlen Ginsberg. Our senior producer is John Thrasher. McKamey Lynn is our supervising producer and Jesse Cass is our executive producer. If you like what you hear on the show, please subscribe, rate, and review Crime of a Lifetime on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.